Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network. Available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the beautiful city of Angels, Los Angeles, California, where uh, I hate to break it to you folks in the Midwest and the East Coast and the South. Might have two Super Bowl contenders here. We will find out this upcoming weekend. Rams, Chargers, part of the discussion. NFL season is here. We'll talk some college football with David Shaw they have a tilt with USC on the farm this weekend. David Shaw, head coach of the Stanford Cardinal, joins us in about 15 minutes. That's on Fox Sports Radio, the Fox Sports Radio affiliate that you're listening to, the iHeartRadio app, or foxsportsradio.com. Jay Glazer is going to join us for an entire hour in studio next hour. We'll go through everything, including Le'Veon Bell. Give you my thoughts on Le'Veon Bell and what in many ways was unprecedented, what we saw or read or heard yesterday from the Steelers' locker room. 
let's we'll work our way back to the to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let me start with the Falcons and the Eagles. These are the last two defending NFC champions. One team completed the task, the other team did not. Both got off to a big first half lead over the Patriots. The the Eagles actually succumbed to a Patriots comeback but then found a way to separate themselves and then get one last turnover and beat the Pats in the Super Bowl as opposed to the Falcons who had a dominant season 2 years ago they're up 28 to 3 and I think you know what happened next also should be mentioned that the Falcons had a chance to beat the Eagles in Philadelphia in the divisional round of the playoffs last year this is after Atlanta got off to a slow start Super Bowl hangover uh, offensive coordinator change and then got to be one of the hotter, if not hottest team in the National Football League or in the NFC late in the season. So they've met recently. They've both won big in the NFC. They both got into the Super Bowl. One team won one. One team lost one in just awful fashion for them. And they meet tonight in Philadelphia. What's maybe more interesting is, and I guess part of this is the fact the Eagles won their last game, is we haven't heard anything from Atlanta. Nothing. Crickets. Some of it is it's Atlanta. It's one of those teams that we only really cover when they're good. Some of it is the personalities. You know, Matt Ryan always says the right thing. And even though Julio Jones holdout only lasted a day, he wasn't forced to, and nor has he ever been an in front of the camera, me, me, me sort of guy. But some of it is also kind of the culture of the clubs, the culture of the city. Philadelphia has always been a little brother city to New York or to D.C., so when they finally win a title and the, who they beat to win the title, they puff out their chest and rightfully feel good about it, and they've let you know just how good they feel about it the entire offseason. Falcons, I haven't heard, we haven't heard hide nor hair from them. Can anybody remember any sort of memorable quote at all from the Falcons over these past two years? The answer is not really. I don't think any of this plays a part, plays a factor at all in who wins tonight, but here's something that's interesting. The defending Super Bowl champions are opening up at home against the team they beat last year with the same quarterback they beat them with. Granted, all Sean Jeffrey not going to play. And they're a one-point favorite. A one-point favorite means they're a neutral site dog. Usually get about three points for a home field advantage, and they are a one-point favorite. It's a pick game. Vegas is telling you, hey, we think the Falcons are currently better. Then the Eagles, who had the NFL's MVP before he got hurt. We were told about the depth of their roster, how they're going to be even better this year with Jason Peters and others back from injury. Right? And part of the Falcons' struggles last year was, hey, it was first year under Steve Sarkeesian. They lost Kyle Shanahan to the San Francisco 49ers. They struggled with the, the offensive coaching staff change, which, oh, yeah, by the way, has happened in Philadelphia. Sure, Doug Peterson's back, but that offensive staff has changed. The coordinator is now a head coach. And uh, and and others are gone with them. Quarterback coaches in Minnesota, there has been a lot of change. So, first week does not determine necessarily how good you are. But it does kind of set the tone for the season. Look back at other first weekends. Last year, the Chiefs beat the hell out of the Patriots. They did lose in the first round to the Titans, but the Chiefs once again got to the playoffs, won the AFC West. Year before that, it was the Broncos beating the Panthers. 
That was a Broncos team that didn't even make the playoffs. And that was a Panthers team coming off a Super Bowl loss to the Broncos, albeit with Peyton Manning. Year before that was Patriots beat the Steelers. The Patriots uh, would get the number two seed before losing to the Broncos in the AFC Championship game. Year before that, it's the Seahawks beat the Packers. The Seahawks lose in the Super Bowl to the Patriots after beating the Packers in the NFC Championship game. So there is some precedent. Hey, in 13, the Ravens beat, uh, the Broncos beat the Ravens. They would get the number one seed, had the best offense in the history of the sport at that time before getting beaten by the Seahawks. So what's passed, it doesn't always mean these two teams will play, but in addition to trying to get Super Bowl or NFC playoff or AFC playoff rematches, they've usually picked out two of the elite teams. And of the past five years, Four of the winners have gone to the playoffs. Three of them have gone deep in the playoffs, including two losing in the Super Bowl. All right, let's get to Le'Veon Bell. I don't know the difference in contract. I know what I'm told the contract offer has been from the Steelers, but but that that's filtered down news. Uh, that's a game of telephone. We are in a completely different era in sports. We are. We used to be in an era in sports in which players that held out were seen as the bad guy, seen as malcontents. And the team generally had some form of control over the media in that people took the team's side. Hey, these numbers are money that none of us could ever make. How dare you sit out and turn down money when there are guys on the street that would kill to make whatever you're making to play football, basketball, or baseball, right? And really, uh, holdouts don't happen anymore in the NBA. They don't happen anymore in Major League Baseball. They only happen in football. So Le'Veon Bell's uh, rep, his agent, went on a radio show yesterday and said, hey, we might wait till week 10. Le'Veon Bell is the only guy who hasn't shown up. Even Earl Thomas ticked as he might be in the last year of his contract with the Seattle Seahawks, showed up at work. Here's what some of the Steelers' teammates, these are offensive teammates of Le'Veon Bell had to say. So I just felt confident that he was going to come, but now that he didn't, obviously, it's Le'Veon over the Steelers, and we're, we're the Steelers, and we're going to play as the Steelers. Yeah, we've got a lot of weapons. Uh, we'd like to have them out there, but, but we've got guys that can make plays for us. In the ultimate team sport, we've created a, a league of individuals in a sense. And I know the league is all about get your money, get paid. I love it. But my perspective is a whole lot different now. I'm in year 10. This guy, what is Le'Veon, about to go into year 7? You know, you're not getting younger. So win it, get paid next year. Have you ever heard this before? Have you, have you ever heard three offensive teammates? Right? That was, uh, who was the first one? First one was Pouncey, Marquise Pouncey then Big Ben, then Ramon Foster. Two offensive linemen. And and uh, DeCastro also spoke out um, against Le'Veon Bell. You got three or four offensive linemen and the quarterback saying, hey, dude, we get it. You want to get paid. You should be here, and we don't like it. Now, does does some of it come from the fact the Steelers think they're really close and the NFC is really crummy? Does some of it come from uh, from the fact 
that they're part of the Steelers and everyone knows the Steelers have played hardball. Maybe not with Antonio Brown, but hardball with just about everybody else. Yep. Could you point out that running back has become a, a position that used to be overvalued and maybe now is undervalued? Sure. But locker room culture is don't ever talk about my money. And for four offensive players, three linemen and a quarterback to essentially talk about somebody not being there because of money and do so in a negative fashion in this era where media members, other players, teammates, everybody sucks up to the player and says they deserve to get money even when it's not going to bankrupt teams, but it's going to completely shift how a roster is comprised for years to come. Like, look, here's how it changed. Media members are fawning all over themselves for this Todd Gurley contract, which was completely stupid by the Rams. The Rams may think they're getting ahead of the, 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 they're guessing the value of Todd Gurley, but they didn't have to redo his contract for another year. Oh, we got out ahead of it. Way, way too far ahead of it. But we're in this era now where media members, friends of mine, colleagues, are just like, oh, he got paid. Good for him. Khalil Mack got paid. Good for him. Players are saying to have five offensive players, four offensive linemen come out and go like, dude, this Le'Veon stuff is nonsense. He should be here. That tells you their feelings about who Le'Veon really is. You can't fool players. It's a premise of this show. Can't fool them. They know who can play. They know who can't play. They know who's overpaid. They know who's underpaid. They know who's doing the right things, who's doing the wrong things. Just watch their reactions when a guy throws an untimely interception. If they love that guy and believe in that guy, they will have his back. And if they don't, they may not say anything negative, but they're sure as hell not going to go and hug them and say something positive. Can't fool players. This many offensive guys tells me that the guy you think you know in Le'Veon Bell isn't a Le'Veon Bell. There's some sort of nonsense to which how he handles himself, of which how he handles himself, and a lack of of understanding by so many of of the of how much the linemen and the offense and Big Ben and Antonio Brown have contributed to his success, both financially and statistically. These players are telling you all you need to know that they're not in on Le'Veon Bell and has nothing to do with money. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. He's one of the most respected men in football. He just happens to be head coach at Stanford. Um, NFL teams have come calling and he shunned them all away. And uh, there's a myriad of reasons, but weekends like this are just one of the reasons. He's David Shaw. He's head coach at Stanford. He joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Coach, how are you? I'm great. I, I appreciate the uh, the notorious B.I.G. walkout music. That was uh, <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, yeah, I, you need that. At, you need that in the farm, right? You you need to have the team get introduced, fight song, and then you with little B.I.G. walking down go. through the tunnel. Would it's you be time okay? To play, huh? Yeah, it's time to play. Let's do it. All right, let, let's. Um, you reviewed your team's performance. I'm sure ad nauseum last week. How'd they play? I think we ranged at times from a B plus to a B minus. Um, with a couple of C plus plays mixed in there. Out of defensively, we played extremely hard. I think we played uh, well for the most part. 
we missed a couple tackles, which led to big plays, which led to points. And that's that's one thing we got to get corrected against an outstanding and explosive uh, USC offense. Um, offensively, hey, we we tried to run the ball a bunch of different ways, and they dedicated so many guys to the run. We had to open it up and to show that we're able to do it. Our quarterback can handle it. Our pass protection was outstanding, including Bryce Love, who probably had his best best game as a pass protector of his career. Um, and J.J. Sega-Whiteside went out and, and made some big plays. And we've got guys, we believe, that are weapons that can um, give them the right coverage and, the, and people to load the box so we can go back out there and make plays. You got a bunch. You just got a bunch of big dudes. Like, that. that was there was some kind of unfair matchups out there that you're just throwing it up. And, and, and I mean, J.J. is just deboing guys back there in their defensive backfield. Were they small or is J.J. that big? It looked like there was Kevin, Kevin Hart was covering him. That's what it looked like. <laughs> No, there there are a couple of bigger guys out there, um, but we we believe in JJ's ability, and we're talking about a guy who was Mr. Football, State of South Carolina, but also Mr. Basketball. Um, this guy's got unbelievable leaping ability. He's got hand-eye coordination. He's got great body control. Um, Kobe Parkinson made a couple plays in that game, also. In yeah, a he's a big old tight dude. End. Yeah, yeah. So I, you, you mentioned, I tell guys all the time, I don't believe in fair fights. You know, <laughs> if we're if we're gonna if we're gonna fight, I want to fight a fight that we can win. <laughs> So, so you know, th- there were people when Bryce decided to come back, they're like, man, that's crazy. You run the risk of injury. You run the risk of a loaded box. You pointed out something that it's not sexy to talk about, and I know that a lot of people think your style's not sexy, but it's incredibly important for his long-term future that he's great in pass protection, right? Like, you can't, you can't play on third down in the NFL if you want to be – if one, you can't catch it out of the backfield, but two, even more importantly, you can't protect your quarterback – What's the is is he the type of kid you need to have that conversation with, or is this something that he's always bought into? Oh, absolutely, and there's a reason why he put on about ten pounds this off season, and it was, you know, not for not for the beach body, you know, it was to be an NFL football player and to prepare himself to have success at that next level. And for all that said, which is all true about Bryce wanting to be a doctor. Um, he's he's going to graduate two quarters early from Stanford in in, in, uh, in biology, which is unbelievable. This guy wants to play in the NFL and wants to play for a long time. In order for him to do that, he knew he needed to get bigger, a little bit stronger, to handle the pounding, to be able to pass protect. And that's why he's sitting there 10 pounds heavier, much stronger than he was a year ago. And he was able to sit some guys down in pass protection so we can get the ball off. So uh, for for the statistics uh, uh, gurus out there and for the fans that said that was a terrible game, trust me, there are a lot of NFL teams put on that game from last week and said, okay, this guy's actually moved up in my book. Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy how it happens in reality as opposed to the perception of, of the fans that simply look at the box score. Last year, you give up 42 to SC. Uh, it was the second week of the season, and you know Keller didn't play well. Bryce statistically had a good, but you guys could not stop uh, you know, couldn't stop Ronald Jones, couldn't stop Stephen Carr. They ran the ball all over through you. And even though Sam Darnold had a couple of turnovers, he threw four touchdowns. Obviously, they're vastly different this year without Ronald Jones, without Sam Darnold. But is there something about uh, the style that USC plays that gives you guys trouble? Well, I think if you look at the last few years, uh, this has been a back-and-forth battle. Um, they beat us in the Pac-12 championship game by three. You know, I think we played much better against them then, even though we still spotted them two scores, uh, different points during the game. Um, you know, and then two years ago, a lot of people in SC were saying, gosh, when are we going to beat the Stanford team? They've got, they've taken care of us, you know, three out of the last four years or two out of three, whatever it was. So we've had a lot of back and forth. Both teams have been very good. Um, I think Sam Darnold just played so well last year, made some big time throws, which is the reason why. Um, he's still in my book, top quarterback in the draft last year. Um, but you look at this team right now, and they have every bit as much talent. You know, these guys are athletic and quick and explosive outside. They have multiple running backs, which, as you mentioned, 
mentioned, was probably the biggest issue playing these guys last year was being able to slow them down running the ball. We have to play much better against the run. Our, our defensive line, our young defensive line, they have to show up and play extremely well to give ourselves a chance to win. Um, JT Daniels, their freshman quarterback, could be in high school at modern day. Obviously, as you know, and I think most college football fans know, incredibly decorated player. But he is, you know, he's, he's very, very green. Uh, they didn't seem to open up the playbook much until late in the game against UNLV. How do you go about preparing for a quarterback who you have such limited tape on? Well, those of us on our staff, we've seen this guy for multiple years. Um, everybody in the nation offered this guy. Everybody in the nation saw this kid. He is not the typical freshman. Um, this kid is wise beyond his years. He understands football. Uh, he understands what to do and how to do it. I do believe I do believe they tried to take care of him early in the game just to get him off. And then once he got into the into the groove of the game, this guy's scrambling for first downs. He's making guys miss. He's stiff arming guys on the sideline. He's throwing the ball in tight windows. He's throwing the ball down the field with touch and accuracy. Um, yeah, we're not going to treat this guy like a freshman. We're going to treat this guy like a vet. David Shaw joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Last year, I don't know if you remember. Last year around this time, uh, you joined me and you you talked about. Um, some of the different things you guys have done in reps in the preseason in order to not to, to beat to beat because you guys have a such a physical style and yet you can't beat each other up every day in practice right so you have to make uh, less reps more crisp and and have and have every rep matter but you're also somebody that every off season you try new things you learn you evolve you continue to improve as a coach is there anything this off season or this preseason you've done in order to prepare for a game like this Saturday that you can't wait to see how it plays out? Well, I think for the, the, the entire process, uh, I think all of us in college football are looking at what we're doing and having to make tweaks and changes, with, of course, with no two-a-days. One of the things I did this year, honestly, is I, I lengthened our practices a little bit uh, to make sure we got enough reps, especially as, well, as long as we were healthy. Um, to get enough reps so their guys can really stack those reps because that's the only way you get better. You get better practicing full speed. Um, we had two major scrimmages and a couple other periods where we went live, and we really focused and concentrated on those periods to get the most out of those because we know we couldn't do it every other day like you used to do it in two days, et cetera, where you're tackling everybody. You had to do it less, but when we did it, I wanted to make sure we did it well. Um, and, and that was a big focus, knowing that, you know, right off the bat, we're going to play against a physical San Diego State football team that's going to line up and run the ball right at us. We're going to play against a, a very physical and physical imposing USC football team that's going to run the ball right at us as well as try to throw the ball uh, all over the yard to, get to, to some really good athletes. Um, so to prepare ourselves, we had to go hard against our, each other. There are a couple times in training camp where our guys are kind of barking at each other a little bit because you get so sick of seeing the same guy every single day and, and getting after it. Um, but it's the reason why you do that. So when you come to a game like this, you don't think you just react um all right uh, i, I want to ask you uh, football wise uh because you're you're somebody who puts a lot of thought into it there's a ton of reaction in the nfl to the new use of the helmet rule and uh look they got a little itchy trigger finger obviously in college football the targeting rule you had players ejected um if you were in charge do you like the current path we're on in terms of officiating college and pro in how we how we uh how we judge the use of the helmet now, I'll say this. I love the path that we're on um, because it's making us talk about it and it's making us tweak the game every year, as we should. We should do everything we can every single year to make this game as safe as it can be because it is not a safe sport. Um, but I'll say this. 
every time that we tweak something, it, there needs to be an experimental period. And if things are going well, that we continue it as long as we're willing to say, hey, this isn't going well and change it back. Now, the NFL uh, rule, which I understand, and I think possibly on purpose, was over-officiated. Right. During the, and I think most everybody that watched any game would say that it was over-officiated. Um, as long as I think we dial it back a little bit and use the guys in the replay booth and see, we, which, which I talked to a bunch of officials on all levels, you can never judge intent. You can only judge exactly what happened. But if you can say, okay, this guy is lowering his helmet to protect himself and not using his helmet as a weapon, then that shouldn't be penalized. Um, and there's, there's a natural thing as far as not trying to hit another guy in the head that you lower your body in order to hit him in the chest. If you lower your body, you naturally lower your head a little bit. So to be able to have a little bit of discernment so that we're not flagging everything, um, that we're re- truly flagging those guys that are using their helmet as a weapon or using the other guy's helmet as a target, those are the two things we really want to take out of. And if it's, if it's in that gray area and you don't see a guy putting himself in a position where he hurts himself or put himself in a position to hurt somebody else, I don't think it should be penalized. Yeah, it's it's hard, though, because even though sometimes it, there's this, there's this um, I think sometimes defensive players saying, well, I went low because I can't go high, but some yeah. of those guys are launching with their helmet at guys' legs, right? We've exactly. seen a lot of missed tackles, so th- there is a some of those are not viewed as as spearing type of hits, but those aren't the hits that you want to encourage, right? Is the old, you know, firing yourself off at a guy's legs, only using your helmet. No, there's no question. And, and there, are, there are a lot of, of these concussions come up on defensive players who lower their helmets and hit a guy's shoulders, but also hit a guy's knee. And there's a lot of those that happen where they lower their helmets and they can't see what they're hitting, and the knee comes up and hits them in the forehead, and, 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 and there's, there's an issue. Um, so I love what the Seahawks have done, and we've talked about doing A lot of teams have done it where you go into these alligator tackles and all these different ways where you, you, you grab a guy and you twist him and you get him down as opposed to using your helmet to knock a guy down. Um, so concentrating more on wrapping and, 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 and twisting the guy to the ground, not twisting him to try to hurt him, but to get him off his feet. You want to get him off his feet so he can get on the ground. Right. Um, those are the things I think that, that the, I think the better coaches around the nation on all levels are really focusing on, okay, we, we can't just tell these guys, hey, don't lower your head. We have to give them tools to make the plays that we need them to make. So in order to get this guy, I'm coming at this guy at an angle, he's running away from me, I'm coming at this 45-degree angle, I don't have to put my head down on his knee. I can put my head behind him and get my my arms around his legs, and he can't run if my arms are around his legs. Um, right, that's you know, how so, we were all taught to tackle at a very young age, and it's just yeah. kind of gotten loosey goosey now, and and it's a little bit easier. And you do it does it does bring a guy down quickly if you hit him with his helmet. The problem is one, you can get hurt, and then two, if you miss, you look awful if you miss. But the bigger thing is you can get really badly hurt. Oh, there's no question, and and that's what I think most players all levels really understand like that's the that's the real reason for these rules changes is for their own health and well-being and the the goal for guys that want to play for a long time is to understand why these rules are being made and make the adjustments and changes in order to make sure that yes they can be safe and number two that they can be effective what they're asked to do um you guys are wearing two ribbons right you got the yellow and the lime green to bring awareness to sarcoma and lymphoma two dangerous uh, kinds of cancer this is all. Uh, this is all because of uh, Ryan Beecher, right? One of your coaches who's a lymphoma survivor. Uh, yes, yes, and we have uh, multiple people on our team have been um, impacted uh, by cancer in different ways, and 
Um, you know, we've got a staff member whose wife is going through a tough time. Um, I have someone in my family going through a tough time also. And it's just a way for us to say, you know, we want to recognize that for all those survivors out there, but then also for all those people out there that are struggling and they can watch a Stanford football game and see those ribbons on the back of their helmet and say, yeah, gosh, you know what? Look at these guys. They're such great kids. They're working so hard. And they took the time and, and energy to put that on their helmets and they, they truly want to stand for something more than football. I think maybe we can help somebody who's in a hospital room someplace um, be down and looks and says, you know, I think I'm going to root for Stanford nowadays because these guys get it. Yeah, and the the other part that I like about you guys is you're not doing the, the, the massive uniform changes stuff, right? Like, don't get me wrong, I like some of the new uniforms, but sometimes they try, like Florida State, they had maroon, uh, and like Florida State's got historically great uniforms, right? And they got the maroon <laughs> names on black jerseys. So you can't even see what the guys' names are. Do you get Do you get pressure from some of these guys or from some of the assistants? Hey, you know the kids in recruiting they want different unis. Uh, no, we we do a black jersey once once a year every year, which I think is great. Um, but I also don't want to be one of those teams where they turn the TV on and they're waiting for the score to go up so they can see who's playing. Right. You know, I want them to look and say, oh, look, Stanford's playing SC. Wow, you know, I recognize both those uniforms. You know, I'm like, let me watch this game as opposed to, oh, these, these teams look good, but who, who's this again? Um, yeah, we, we, we don't want to get into that business. Okay, so you are going to give the ball to Bryce Love more than 18 times this week? I mean, they, they, you know, SC gave up, what, 309 yards combined rushing against UNLV? Like, can you, can, you, can you give me a promise he's going to get the ball a little more, or is it solely defense-dependent? <laughs> You know, we'll we'll see how it goes. You know, the the goal is to still win the football game. And, you know, if 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 USC does a great job of, of, of shutting down our running game, which is what happened last week and, and our quarterback throws for three hundred thirty yards again and we have another receiver go for two hundred and twenty yards and we and we win the game, I'll take I'll take either way. He, Whatever he, it takes for us to win. Did he say anything to you after the game? Are you kidding me? I mean you're talking about the best kid in the world. Um so excited, so happy. Plus he understands. What he, as we talked about earlier, what he put on film yes, last, last week will, will, will raise his draft stock than him rushing for 200 yards again, which he's done many times. Um, the fact that he will step up in the A-gap and pick up a linebacker who's bigger than him and, and actually stone him, and that he'll track, track a, a blitzer from one side of the field to another and block him let the quarterback get the ball off. All these NFL guys have seen his long runs, his, his, his 50-yard runs, but now putting that together with that, uh, trust me, Bryce is great. We've, we've done a statistical thing. He's broken records before. Now he just wants to be a great football player. Well, so far, I want to know, uh, best of luck against SC. I know how bad you want to get out there and see your kids compete. Can't wait to see it. Thanks so much for joining us on Fox Sports Radio. Always good to talk to you. All right, it's David Shaw, head coach of Stanford. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Here's Tom Brady on Tom versus Time. Probably the last six months. It's been the first time where I've taken a little break, I think, from what I've done. I needed something different this year. My family needed something different. If I'm going to do something at this point, it's going to be because I enjoy it. The last couple of years, a lot of parts about football weren't enjoyable when they should have been. You know, I think anytime you're together with people for a long period of time, relationships ebb and flow. So, look, he's letting us in a little bit on the relationship breakdown some with Bill Belichick. And I think that's honest. I, I think one of the things we have a tendency to do is because we don't get a lot out of Belichick or Brady when we do, and they give us a what what seems to be a pretty honest response, right? Like he, tell me if I, tell me if I'm I'm listening wrong. Feels like he was a little burnt out, right? Suffering through burnout, so he had to get away from it for a little bit. That's normal. Patriots are in three of the last four Super Bowls. 
right, remember they he had a game winning touchdown drive that had that came back with an intercept. They had to intercepted the um, the Seahawks, right? So it's not just that he was in Super Bowls; he was in three of the most tension filled Super Bowls in history. Remember, it's the Seahawks one where the Malcolm Butler got an interception. Then there's the Falcons one where they're down 28 to three and they have the greatest comeback ever. And then last year's Super Bowl where the Patriots didn't punt, got the ball back with, with a time, plenty of time to score. And it was Tom Brady who screwed up. So they played more games than anybody else. And their last game was absolutely exhausting. Of course he needed a break. So he goes through a little bit of, of relationship burnout with Belichick, of sports burnout with football. And I'm and I guarantee he's got his wife saying, like, why are you still doing this? Because women don't understand why we're so crazy about sports. Non-athletes, and Giselle's super successful. I, she's super successful. So it doesn't mean that she's not driven. You can't be the most successful model in the history of sport without being driven. But there's a difference between being driven and being like obsessed with sports, obsessed with winning. You're just obsessed with it. And so the lack of understanding from home of, Hey, why can't you just spend time with us? All right, fine. I'll spend time with you. I'll get away from it. Now you're back. Like, I I think all of these things are reasonable human things you go through, especially when you're in your forties and you got a couple kids and a wife and you have plenty of money. The most surprising thing is he didn't buy a Porsche. Don't most guys midlife crisis, balding, buy a Porsche and those awful shoes. And if some of you have them on, I apologize to you a little bit that kind of look like loafers. Only they have like, they're like dots on the bottom of them. You know, they're not like Sperry topsiders, but they're like loafers with the little, uh, they're like little, uh, almost uh, turf spikes. You know, do you guys know what the shoes I'm talking about? I, I'm, I just, I, I can't believe, like, he didn't have to color his hair like Colin did. Remember when Colin first came to Fox? But, like, jeans with no socks, sweater, like, wrapped around your neck, hair in the wind, convertible Carrera Porsche. Like, that's, the, that's what some dudes do midlife crisis. Other guys turn their phone off and don't do football for three months. And that's what Brady did. Admitting that 18 years of relationship with Bill Belichick and it has its ebbs and flows, look. We had a fight. We hugged it out. We're still together for the kids. Okay. I'm buying what the Patriots are selling. I'm buying what Tom Brady's selling. And I think we, we obsess about it and we talk about it and we think it's worse or more than it is because we're so not used to getting anything from Tom, anything from the Patriots, that anything that we do have kind of blows up. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A a podcast. podcast. 
Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 